0: are dismissed for Children's Church. Ephesians chapter 5 and into Ephesians chapter 6 is one of my, um, uh, I hate to say favorite because I almost say that every time I open the Bible, but all the verses in the Bible are my favorite. But this is one of the passages of scriptures that I absolutely love. It is such a practical, uh, a practical scripture uh, for uh, our walk with the Lord, and I want to talk uh, to you uh, in the next several Sundays on, on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What it means to be what are what are the what are the results of being filled with the Spirit? We talk about. Uh, the subject. We talk about being filled with the Spirit, but I think there's a lot of confusion when it comes to being filled uh, with the Spirit. Let me start off by saying this, you can't be filled with the Spirit until you are born of the Spirit. You can't be filled with the Spirit until you're born of the Spirit. And so, I want you to know that there is, uh, in the scripture, the Bible talks about uh, uh, um, two kind of baptisms. It talks about water baptism and spirit baptism. And when you get saved and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the, the necessity of baptism is spirit and not water. That makes sense? It's spirit, not water. Is water baptism important? Yes. Water baptism is the very first step that we take. After we get saved, it's our step of obedience. Uh, when we uh, uh, get saved and trust Christ as our Savior, baptism is a picture of what Christ has done for us. As we stand in the water, it's a picture of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. As we are buried or as we go under, it's a picture of His burial. And as we come out of the water, it's a picture of His resurrection. And so you can't really picture... The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ without immersing somebody into the water, okay? Uh, So uh, water baptism is important, but spirit baptism is paramount, okay? So spirit baptism is necessary. What does that mean? It means uh, when we get saved, we get baptized with the Spirit. So when you get saved and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you get all of the Spirit, You're not. You're not. This is not something that we take steps and we're getting more and more of the Spirit as we get along. When you get saved and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells you, lives inside of you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You're not your own, you're... Bought with a price, right? So Jesus Christ uh, uh, paid your sin debt when He died upon the cross. When He was buried and He rose the third day, uh, He finished. You know, uh, seven sayings on the cross. Seven different sayings Jesus proclaimed on the cross. Uh, probably the most important one is just those three words, It is finished. It is finished. So our salvation... Is finished in Jesus Christ. So you can't, be, you can't be filled with the Spirit until you're born of the Spirit. And so when we are born of the Spirit, we're saved and we trust Christ as our personal Savior. If you're not saved and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then then let me tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. He shed His innocent, perfect, sinless blood so that you might have the remission of sins. So, without Christ, we are without hope. Understand that. You take Jesus out of the equation, we have nothing. Okay? There's no heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh under the Father but by me. There's no getting to God. You see, we have this idea, uh, this, uh, uh, really, uh, ecumenical and diverse idea that I, I just, uh, I, I, you don't understand, preacher, I love God, but not Jesus. Listen to me, according to the Word of God, you can't get to the Father without going through the sun, okay? So Jesus Christ is paramount, obviously. Jesus Christ is the one that paid our debt. It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that was imputed to your account. That, that's why we're going to heaven. We're not going to heaven because we're good people. We're not going to heaven because uh, uh, we do the best we can, we're not going to heaven because we've been baptized or because we are part of a church. We're going to heaven because we placed our faith, we placed our trust in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, and He saved us. Okay? So that's what, that's what being born of the Spirit means, is when you're saved and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then, okay, now, now that we're saved, now that we trust Christ as our Savior, yes, we should be baptized. It's a it's a step of obedience. Is it necessary for salvation? No, but it's necessary to live a the, the right Christian life because it's our first step of obedience. So uh, there's there's uh, uh, baptism. There's uh, joining the church. There is uh, good works. You see, we are we are not saved by our works, but we're saved unto good works. And so uh, Ephesians chapter number five is that next step. Okay, let's read a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to, uh, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another. And the fear of God, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. We are going to talk about that, and I'm not going to tell you when. You might skip it. 25. Husbands... You want, to talk about a, you want to talk about a taller glass of water? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So what men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his, bond, uh, uh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But listen what Jesus, what uh, uh, Paul says here. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say, listen to me, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to let you know something. Here, I'm going to use this example to show you this. I'm going to use this parabolically. I'm going to use this allegorically so that I can show you how you're supposed to live your life. Do you know there are ways that are right and there are ways that are wrong? No, we're living in a world today where that's not popular to say. You should be able to do whatever you want to do because we want to live in Noah's day where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. So what does that mean? What does it mean for every man to do that which is right in his own eyes? It means, listen, you don't tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. I do what makes me feel good. I do what I think is right. And so what we've done is we've taken the Word of God, we've closed its pages, and we've set it to the side. That's what it means to do that which is right in your own eyes. We disregard what God has to say. And can I tell you, it is a very dangerous thing to disregard what God has to say for our lives. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. A command to be filled with the Spirit. How? Will we be different when we're filled with the Spirit? Now, I don't want you to be confused. Okay, So when you get saved, you get all of the Spirit. When you're Spirit-filled, the Spirit gets all of you. Do you get that? So when you get saved, you get baptized by the Spirit. You get baptized one time. Listen, I don't have to get saved over and over and over again. When I get saved and I trust Christ as my Savior, if I truly get saved, that's it. I got saved. I'm saved forever. Once saved. Always saved. The Spirit of God lives inside of me. But being Spirit-filled is more than one time. It's over and over and over and over again. It's asking God for His help. It's asking God to fill you. It's asking God to guide you. It's asking God to lead you. It's the psalmist saying, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. When you read the Word of God, when you open the Word of God to do your devotions, when you open the Word of God to uh, to read from its pages, do you ask the Spirit of God to fill you? You should. God, guide me into your word. Guide me into what you want me to read. Guide me into what you want me to see. I'll tell you, when you open up the word of God, I, I, Wendy and I were talking about this on a way. We were coming home, and you know how you, you, know how you just want to sleep in your own bed? I mean, you just, so, so we left, we left kind of late uh, from, from Pennsylvania, and I said, look, I'm, we're just going to, We're just going to drive straight through. About 12 hours. Well, we hit Washington. Anybody ever go through Washington? I bet you it took us two hours. I don't even know why they have a bypass. That's a joke. I mean, the bypass is just as, it's like a land. I'm telling you, it's like a land on steroids. I mean, it is terrible. I mean, two hours. And then finally we got through and I thought, man, I'm going to get some makeup time now, right? Because it's late and. Well, it downpoured for like two states, two states, not two hours, like two states, it downpoured. So it was, we got home at like 2.30 in the morning, but man, was it nice to sleep in, in your own bed. It was, it was, we got home safe and we praise the Lord for that, but on the way home, we started talking about things and I told Wendy, I said, let me tell you something. Sometimes we read passages of scripture and we get something, but we miss something else. Ever happened to you? Hey, boy, you read this passage of Scripture, and, or you hear a preacher preach, and you hear the preacher preach on John 3.16, and you hear another per- a preacher preach on John 3.16, or the same preacher preaches on John 3.16, and it's a completely different message. I told Wendy, I'm going to preach the Gospels of 3.16. I'm going a- to... Matthew 3.16, Mark 3.16, Luke 3.16. We know John 3.16, right? We know that by heart. But there are other 3.16s in the Bible, right? There are other passages in the Bible. And sometimes we can read the Bible and we can miss what God has for us because we're not asking God for His guidance. We're not asking God for His help. We're not asking God to... Open up our eyes so that we might be able to see what does it mean? What are the results of being filled with the spirit of God in your life? Galatians five has much to say. Galatians chapter number five has much to say when it comes to a uh, uh, walking in the spirit and being a spirit filled uh, uh, believer in Galatians chapter number five in verse 16. Listen to this verse. Galatians 5 and verse, uh, uh, verse 16. As, you'll, as you already uh, uh, probably aware, you go down and you see the fruits of the Spirit there in uh, verses uh, uh, 22 and 23. Uh, but in verse 16, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, I want you to understand something. There are fruits of the Spirit, And then there are fruits of the flesh. And depending where you're walking and depending how you're living, they're going to manifest themselves. If you're walking in the flesh, it will manifest itself. If you're driving through Washington, the flesh might manifest itself. If you're driving amongst a bunch of people, I thought it was just down south they don't know how to drive. They don't have how to drive up, up north either. I mean, I mean, everywhere you go. Anybody else have this problem? I think I'm the only one. I know I'm not the only one. I've seen some of you drive, okay? But man, if you're not careful, isn't it true? If you're not careful, you will quickly get in the flesh. You will quickly get upset. You will quickly get bitter. You will quickly get jealous and envious and all these things will quickly happen if you allow them if you begin to walk in the flesh. So what do we need to do? We need to make a conscious decision. We need to decide you don't want to manifest the 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 the, the, the fruits of the flesh, then you need to walk in the spirit. It's a choice. Isn't life about a choice? I think we miss that sometimes. Life is really about a choice. You heard people say, and you might have said it before uh, uh, as well, I know I have uh, in my life, you know what, I just got up on the wrong side of the bed. This is what I say, get back in bed and wake up on the right side. Isn't it a choice? But you understand, all these things are happening to me, and all these things are just uh, uh, avalanching on top of me, and I, I, I don't have a choice. No, 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 we always have a choice. We can choose. Now, we may have to choose, uh, and after we choose, we have to live with the consequences, but we still get to choose. We get to decide. We get to, uh, to make uh, up our minds uh, and choose uh, how we're going to live, how we're going to react. You know, sometimes people are uh, mean and ugly But you know what I noticed? I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you travel at all, or if you've ever lived in a different place, people are people. I don't care if you're in the north, if you're in the south, or if you're in the west. People are people. We met some of the nicest people on the planet when we were in Pennsylvania. I'm talking about the nicest people. This stigma, by the way, it's nonsense. This stigma that, that people from the north are just, uh, they're just rude and they're just mean. No, no, listen to me. Let me tell you, I came back south and we went to a certain place when we were down here. That is some of the meanest people. I'm talking about, listen, I, why do you got to be that way? Why do you got to be so? Listen, we choose to be that way. I don't care where you live. I don't care where you've been born. We decide, we choose how we're going to act and how we're going to react to people. And so uh, I, was, I was in a, a, a restaurant the other day, and, and uh, the, the waitress told one of the cooks, no, I need, I need that bread toasted. You know, the, you know what the cook did? Picked up the bread and threw it. And took two more pieces of bread and threw it in the toaster. I said, well, God bless you. I hope you feel better. Because I bet you that I, I'm going to try it. I be, I'm going to try it. I bet throwing bread makes you feel better. Nobody made him do that. Nobody made him overreact. I mean, don't we overreact sometimes? I'm telling you, sometimes we way overreact. And we do that, you know why we do those things? Because we are not walking in the Spirit. Christian, if you're saved and you know Christ is your Savior, you can throw out the excuse book. You have no excuse. You decide to be ugly. You decide to be mean-spirited. You decide to react in the wrong way. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to be sure that we are walking in the Spirit because by nature... Sometimes, sometimes I think either we forget this or we don't understand this or we don't know this. When you get saved and you trust Christ as your personal Savior, your flesh does not get saved. Do you understand that? The desire to do wrong is still there. The flesh is still saying, feed me. The flesh is still saying to lust and to be angry and to be envious and to be jealous. The flesh is still. That's why Paul said it's a it's a fight, it's a war. The spirit against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit, they're contrary to each other. They don't complement one another. They're contrary to one another. So if you feed the flesh, the flesh grows. You feed the spirit, the spirit grows. Now I'm not talking about the spirit, the spirit doesn't grow, but the spirit inside of you, you grow. As a Christian, when you feed the Spirit. So it's a the, it's the determination of who you're going to feed. It's a determination of how you're going to walk. We will avoid some things, and we will adhere to other things when we're filled with the Spirit. Watch this. In, in, in uh, uh, Galatians, he really just hits at home with verse number 25. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let's... What is he saying? You say that you're saved. You say that you're a Christian. You say that you're a Christ follower. Well, there's so many terminologies now today uh, uh, that that are out there. But we, we, we say that we're all these things. Well, if you say that you're all those things, then back them up. Live like it. Act like it. Talk like it. Walk like it. I know. And I don't mean I don't mean to pick on I don't mean to pick on social media, but it it's social media's fault that I pick on social media. Okay? I mean, it is out there for everybody to see. It boggles my mind what people put on social media. Absolutely boggles my mind. We talk about what good Christians we are and how much we love God and how much we like church and how much we read our Bibles and then we look at Facebook. That scratched my head. You're saying one thing, but you're living another. You say that you're this, but you're living this. I want you to know, people are watching. People notice. People pay attention. Well, it's nobody's business. You made it their business when you put it on social media. But you don't understand, my social media is private. Are you kidding me? I mean, really, if you think it's I don't know nothing about computers. But I know this much. When I talk in front of my phone, call me conspiracy theorist. I don't care. I have, it, I have word games that I play on my phone because it keeps my mind sharp. And so I play these word games. And when I, when I talk about something, the next day, the word happens to be in my word game. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Let me tell you something. They're listening. I know that sounds weird. I'm not not fixing to talk about aliens. I'm just telling you, it's weird. I'm telling you, your social media is not private. You might think it is, but if they can hack into NASA, and they can hack into the government, (laughs) I promise you, they can hack into your Facebook or your Instagram. And so we let it out there for the world to see. So stop saying it's nobody else's business when you're making it everybody else's business. Just got off the telephone. Last week, and I was talking to a, 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 a director of a missions board. We got to talking about these young missionaries that are going to the field, and we're so thankful for them. And, and God's really using them to, to reach people and start churches, and, and it's so exciting. And, but some of them are just a little bit immature. And they're putting things, not inappropriate things on social media, but putting things on social media that ain't nobody's business. And as a missionary and as a, as a young person, you got to be wise and you got to be careful. That doesn't just go for missionaries. That goes for all of us. People are watching. You're friends with people on Facebook and on Instagram and other things that are watching you. It may sound weird, but I'm telling you it's a fact. And they're looking at your testimony. They're looking at how you're living. You're saying one thing. Are you backing up what you're saying with how you're living? In Ephesians 5 and 6, we see some very specific results of what it means to be Spirit-filled. What it means to walk in the Spirit. What it means to have the fruits of the Spirit uh, in our lives. Uh, the first thing, and we're just going to touch and on it and talk a little bit more about it tonight, but... For the spirit-filled Christian, for 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 the person that is walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, let me tell you what there's going to be. There's going to be singing. Anybody like singing? I'm not talking about publicly. So I'm talking about singing. Did you ever you ever read a passage of scripture and you just you just felt like busting out in song? My children hate it when I bust out in song. I don't care. I love to sing. Now, you're not going to hear me publicly sing. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to be singing in the choir. I, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, okay? I can't even carry the bucket. I understand that. I know I can't sing, but that's never going to stop me from making a joyful noise to the Lord. Never. And man, there's something about, is this true? There's something about being in a good mood and singing. They're often connected together. I mean, or singing, putting you in a good mood. Why? Because uh, being spirit-filled uh, will touch your, uh, will touch your, uh, uh heart uh, and you'll want to sing. Look back in the Psalms. And Psalm number 40. Psalm number 40, verse number 1. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me. And heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings, and he has put a new song in my mouth. Let me tell you what God's done for you. If you're saved, he is taking you out of the mud and the muck and the mire of life, and he set your feet upon the rock. He's established your going. And with all that, he put a new song in your mouth. A song to sing. Something to sing about. Sometimes life doesn't give you anything to sing about. And your, your body aches and you're sick and you're your bank account's empty, and I mean, it's just, your cars are broke down, and no, if you have multiple cars, one car never breaks down. It's like that one gets jealous, and so the other one does the same thing, and so, they, so both your cars break down, and this happens, and that happens, and there's conflict in relationships, and there's conflict in church, and, and sometimes you want to say, enough, enough. You ever feel that way? I just can't take it anymore. Get your focus off the things of this world and get your focus on Christ. When you get your focus on Christ, man, he set me free. I mean, he's, let me tell you something about Brother Hopkins. Brother Hopkins is going to be the one that's going to be running um, running the team on the road. He just really, he's been a part of the ministry for a long time. He actually was part of ERM when he was a young man and and um, But he's just started, he just started living there not too long ago. Brother Hopkins pastored a church of 800 people. He had a three-figure salary, 3,500-square-foot 3, house. Just beautiful. Everything was going. And God, he was very, very sensitive to what God wanted him to do. And he felt like God was calling him to ERM. So he's traveling with these young people, bless them, like 10, 10 guys, ten girls, all between 18 and 20, and going to all these different places, staying in different people's homes, doing these different ministries, training them. He moved to he moved to um, the camp. He's he had to raise his own money. ERM doesn't pay anybody. You have to raise your own money to be a part of ERM. He had to raise his own money and move from a 3,500-square-foot house to a 750-square-foot house. His attitude is unbelievable. I mean, he just smiles and I'm not, I we only met him you know we only met him this one time and talked to him on the telephone I don't know how he is all the time but man just loves what he's doing and how God has brought him here and where God has brought him through and I mean he's just so excited about everything and let me tell you something your excitement for the lord has nothing to do with the things that you have and it has nothing to do with the things that you don't have it has everything to do with where your focus is And if your focus is on Christ, man, you'll have a song in your heart. Song ever come on the radio and you're driving down the road and you're singing it and you really get into it? There's a new song that comes out. There's a new song that just came out not too long ago. Every time it comes on, you know how emotional I am. (whistles) About that much. I almost cry every time this song comes on. And every time this song comes on, I sing it to the top of my lungs. I can just imagine people driving by me, looking over going, Ooh. they went, pull over just a little bit further, this guy's nuts, he's crazy. If I, roll, if I had my windows down, I'm telling you right now, I'd be the talk of the town. I love to sing when a good song comes on. Why? Because it touches my heart. God has put a new song in our hearts. Why don't we sing? Why don't we sing? We need to sing. I'm not talking about publicly. I'm not talking about in front of people. I'm just talking about that song that God has put in our hearts. It's a personal song. He says in verse twenty or verse nineteen, uh, 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 back in our text, he's talking about a personal song. He says yourselves. He says your. It's your song. I'm glad you've got a song, but I'm glad God gave me a song. I'm glad that you're saved, and I'm glad that Jesus is your Savior, but I'm sure glad that he's mine. Right? Doesn't it make a difference? It's great when he's everybody else's. It's great when somebody else gets saved. It's great when somebody else gets answers to prayer. But man, when God answers your prayer, whoo! do you remember the first time you prayed and God answered it? Do you remember that? Some of us, it was probably a long time ago. Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember thinking to yourself, I don't know if you thought to yourself, I certainly did. I thought to myself, wow, this really works. I know other people told me. I know other people have said, hey, God has done this for me in my life. But man, when he did it for me, it made all the difference. When he did it for me, let me tell you what it did. It strengthened my faith. I mean, it made me want to sing uh, with other people. Now I could understand, now I could comprehend why people acted the way they did and reacted the way they did in Christianity. You see, before I got saved, I looked at Christians and thought they were nuts. I'm not joking. I mean, every single Christian, this is my perception, every single Christian must have been part of a, a cult. They must have been brainwashed. Something must be wrong with them. I mean, they're all fake. They're all hypocrites. Now I'm telling you, there are fakes and hypocrites. I don't care if you go to Walmart. I don't care if you go to work. I don't care if you go to church. Well, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. I never argue with people. I said, yeah, I know, but there's hypocrites at Walmart too, and you go there. Hypocrites everywhere. But aren't you... Aren't you glad for the real believers? Aren't you glad for those that God touches, that God answers their prayers, that God does something in their life? And man, I can name names right now and tell stories of people right here in this auditorium. But God has done something in their life and man, they just busted out with singing. And sometimes it's not audibly, but you could just tell it's all over them. And they're excited about serving the Lord and they're excited about church and, and they're excited about reading their Bibles and they're excited about praying. They're just excited for the Lord. We've lost our excitement. Man, where are you going? Church. Ooh. Can I come? I we talk, we talk about listen, we talk about football, and whoa man. We talk about our team. We know everything about them. We know all the coaches. We know all the players. We know all the positions. We know how they should operate. We know that we can do better than the coach. We know all these things. Right? When it comes to football, I mean, some of y'all look at me cross-eyed. I've talked to you about football before. I know you're excited about football. Football team comes on, and you're you're watching it. And if you recorded it, you dare somebody say something to you. Don't you tell me the score. you got to go to church because the game's on during the... Don't you... Listen, I want to see it for myself. And don't get between a daddy and his TV during a football game. Right? Because we get excited about football or basketball or baseball or golf or whatever you get excited about i don't want you get excited but we get excited about sports and then we talk about church so where do you go ring about it was a good church yeah that's all right got a good preacher Yeah, right? he's Think he'll do man, you seriously you got vacation Bible school yeah but man i'm telling you right now it is terrible I mean, I work so hard. I mean, it's so tiring. You don't never want to come. You know what we used to do? Listen, i just give you one more example. Wendy owns We Once. She's owned it for 13 years. It's a consignment event. She does twice a year. And, um, and the older I get, the more I dread when We Once comes. Saturday, is half-off day for the week. So any item that's marked half-off goes half-off on Saturday. You know what we used to do? We used Saturday's mobbed. I mean mobbed. Everybody comes. Everybody wants a deal, right? We used to tell, used to tell people several years ago, we used to say, listen, huh, Saturday is nuts. Don't come on Saturday. It is crazy. Don't come. We stopped saying that. We want people to come to buy things so we can make money. So why are we telling them not to come? Because it's so busy or because it's so hard or because it's so... Isn't that what we do? We often do that. We're often a ho-hum about things that we should be excited about. Act like the church is your grandchild. And you'll get excited, right? Right? Act like the church is something you're excited about, something you want to talk about, something you want to enjoy, uh, uh, people to join, people to come to. Well, I don't like my church. Then find a church you like. For real. This is something we should be excited about every Sunday. I know we have off days. Don't misunderstand me. I'm the preacher. Listen to me. There's times we joke about it. There's times I tell, I tell Wendy Sunday morning, do I got to go to church? She said, you're the preacher. You've got to go to church. We, of course, we're joking. But you know, sometimes you just don't feel like it, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the facts. Sometimes you're not feeling up to it. But I can tell you, every time I went, I was glad I went. Every time I went, God did something for me. Every time, I, every time I'm excited, every time I open up my ears, every, every time I open up the Bible, every time I get on my knees, every time I do the things I know I'm supposed to do, God always comes through. Be excited that we serve a God that always comes through. And when you serve a God like that, you can't help us sing. Personal song that God has put in our mouth, not just here at church, but at your workplace and at your home and and out in the supermarket and everywhere we go. I can't sing, so I whistle. Sometimes we'll be in somewhere whistling and somebody will look at me like, like, like whistling's a. Like a bad thing or something. I, people look at you like you're weird. Listen, if you go around if you go around, listen, if you go around with a smile on your face, people look at you like something wrong with you. What is there to smile about? Ugh. Smile. Give your face a rest. Stop frowning and smile a while. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. Maybe you're here, you're not saved. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you this morning? Without a doubt, can I tell you this morning, unequivocally, that God loves you. That Jesus Christ came and he died upon an old rugged cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. He did that so that you might be saved. So that you might know Christ as your personal Savior. Salvation is personal. You can't can't be saved off of somebody else's coattails. You're not saved because your parents are saved. You're not saved because your children are saved. You're not saved because you go to church. You're not saved because you've been baptized. You're not saved because you've been confirmed. You're saved because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Have you done that?